In today's episode, we speak with Samantha Betton, who says that we cannot escape death, but we can embrace the process. She helps people give one of the greatest gifts that they can give to their family, pre-planned funerals. When someone has pre-planned their funeral, they give the gift of being able to grieve to their family member. If the funeral is not pre-planned, then instead of being able to grieve, someone has to make all of the arrangements, and not everyone is able to do that. Listen to today's episode to learn how you can help your family by giving them this important gift. Talking with people about how to have a great retirement. This is the Rock Your Retirement Show. We don't talk about money, but we talk about almost everything else you need to rock your retirement. Now, here's your host, Kathy Klein. Our guest for today is Samantha Betton, whose motto is protecting the people you love, the business you build, and the causes you care about. She also says that when life hits those lows, use that opportunity to convert sadness into strength. She's also a well-known speaker, and at speaking engagements, her goals are to, quote, rock the talks, end quote. So you know I had to have her for Rock Your Retirement. She likes to engage the audience, speak with purpose, and make a wonderful warm impression, even if it's not a happy topic. Taking care of families and helping folks in difficult times before and after takes integrity, ethics, and trust. She has over 20 years experience in community outreach, marketing, insurance, and finance. And her specialties are community outreach, pre-planning life and death, funeral, cremation, and final expenses. And she's a licensed funeral director. And not only that, but she speaks both English and Spanish. She's very involved in the community. She's part of the Caregiver Coalition of San Diego. She's on the steering committee, public relations, and marketing. She also runs the Speakers Bureau, South Bay Senior Providers, National City Collaborative, SOCAN, District Action Committee President, School Site Council President, Operation Family Caregiver for Veterans, Financial Life Planning Advisory Workgroup, County Board of Supervisors. Wow, that's a mouthful. Samantha, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So tell me, what got you into this business? When you were five years old, did you think, wow, I want to do pre-planning for people? I went to school at UC Davis yeah, I won't tell you what year I graduated. <laughs> Good, because I'm not going to tell you when I graduated either. <laughs> but I actually, um, after I graduated from UC Davis, I came here to San Diego because my family was living here and as well as in Rosarito Beach, Mexico. And Wait, you lived in Rosarito Beach? Yeah, that's where I was raised for that's, a lot of my um, younger years. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. So you must speak really good Spanish. I do. I speak fluent Spanish, which helps me in every day, you know, with work and with personal. Samantha is this sort of blonde-haired, blue-eyed woman that you would not think spoke perfect Spanish, so I think that's pretty awesome. (laughs) Thank you so much. So you grew up in Rosarito, Mexico, and then you moved to San Diego, and 
So what happened after that? Well, I came here and I was working in actually the auto industry for a long time, helping people do their insurance for life insurance as well as auto insurance. So I've always kind of helped people do something to protect themselves. So you were insurance sales. Yep, I sure was. So how did you like that? This is not an insurance, just for those of you who are first-time listeners to this podcast, this is not an insurance show. Exactly. Um, so what what did you do and what did you like about that and why did you leave that business? Well, I liked it because I was helping families, you know, protect themselves, either be it protecting their vehicle or protecting themselves if they were to die. Then, you know, as life insurance is to help the living and, and give sustainability for the family members that are left behind. So that's how I kind of started in the, you know, industry that helped families with the passing of an individual. So how long did you do that? A good 18 years. Wow. Wow, that's a long time. Yeah, Yeah, I would not think that you were in any job for 18 years. You look so young. (laughs) Oh, thank you. (laughs) No secrets will be disclosed. Exactly. And the good thing about this podcast is we can always edit things out. Yeah, so exactly. That's that's a really cool thing about it. So you were in insurance for 18 years. And so now we, we haven't really brought up your topic yet. But what Samantha does is she helps people with either pre-planning their funerals or planning the funerals when someone has passed. So what got you into that? I mean, that's not something that you grow up as a little child thinking, wow, I want to... Be a mortician. No. Help people pre-plan their funerals. Yeah. So how did you, how, what, what made you go into that business? Well, about 10 years ago, um, my mom and dad were still living in Mexico and, you know, coming back and forth a lot as well because I had a, a older son that um, my mom loved to care for and was spending time up here a lot. But at that time, my dad fell ill and we needed to have him up here full time so that he could get the medical attention that he needed. So my parents sold everything down there, moved back up here, and I started helping them with caregiving. So my mom, you know, couldn't do it all herself. And in the process of helping them, my dad had a serious heart attack and we thought he wasn't going to make it. Mm. So they were doing the last rites. And when the, um, pastor came in and started talking to him he was telling me well you know you have to do something and I said what do you mean I have to do something you know here I am thinking oh my gosh my dad's gonna pass away and he's like well you have to start making these final arrangements that must have been tough that and that was the time where I thought I have to do something (laughs) you know I mean what are you gonna do so I uh started looking into everything cemetery funeral cremation you know kind of burial just getting all the information I could, you know, in the shortest amount of time possible. Well, in the interim, my dad was able to get a stent put in and he had a comeback, which was wonderful. Well, thank goodness. It wasn't his time. So, but in the meantime, I learned so much about the industry and I just kept delving more and more into it. And I thought, this is my calling. What was I doing with just the, you know, other part of the the business this is what I really need to do because I was feeling a sense of fulfillment like I was doing something that was going to help my my dad but it was also going to help all of us as well through the financial and the emotional healing and your mom you wouldn't want your mom to have to go through all that while she's grieving for your dad no and, and you don't think about that until it's too late a lot of times so it must have been hard for you too I mean here you are thinking your dad's going to pass away and instead of you being able to prepare yourself for that thought, you're thinking, well, I've got to do all this work. 
you put on your hat and you say, okay, I got to put on my solution hat and be the person in the family to do it because I was the only sibling that lived close by. Mm. Of course, it's all, and that kind of tends to be what happens. It's always one person that's the close one that has to, you know, take the, the decision of, okay, I'm going to do this for everybody. And um, that's how I started doing this. And, and sometimes people aren't always up to that. I mean, what if you have, you know, children and a job and you don't have... What if you're, what happens when your family member's not up to it? Well, and, 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 you know, fast forward to May of this year, my dad did pass away. Oh, I'm sorry. And yeah, thank you. And, uh, my mom has Alzheimer's, so she's not competent. And thank goodness we did these pre-planning arrangements when we did, because at the time my sister insisted on, and I love my sister dearly, but she insisted on being the person, the go-to person at the passing of my dad. But let me tell you, Kathy, when my dad passed away in May, my sister was so paralyzed with emotions and just, you know, utter um, helplessness, she couldn't do anything. So thank goodness it had already been done. Exactly. And it was just one phone call. You know, everything had been done at the mortuary. We didn't have to worry. The cemetery had all this information. I mean, everything was pre-done, prepaid. There was nothing that we had to worry about except for, I will say there are some different details that you don't think about. But now that mom has Alzheimer's, we thought, well, how are we going to get her from the home to the cemetery? So we did get a, a limousine because that way we could all ride together as a family. Well, that's nice. But that's not something you, you would think about. You know, in Spanish, it's a lujo, you know, or an extravagance. You know, you don't sit there and go, I have to have a limousine. A limousine, right. That's but, not something I would think about either. But, but when you have a family that can all fit into one car, you know, the main you know, the siblings, it was nice because she was able to ride with us, you That's know, and nice. feel part of it, even though we don't know how much she remembered, but at least at the time she was feeling comfortable. That's, that's really nice. And now that you've actually gone through it, you have the experience that you can talk to people about what it was like in your own situation and certain things that you had to do for your parents, for your, yeah. for your dad. Until you're actually in it, it's really hard to imagine it. I mean, I've been through it so many times with, you know, the families that I've helped, and I could clearly understand that. And we did have deaths in our family before that. I had a brother that passed and grandparents, you know. But, yeah, exactly. Until it's your your parent or your child or your spouse, it's, it doesn't hit home as much, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I I have to admit that my husband and I have not done any pre-planning, but... Um, in our, we, we both have, a, we have an estate plan oh, okay. because, um, I don't know if my listeners know this, but in my past life, I was a financial advisor and I did that for 25 years. And so when my husband and I got married, we went and got a, an estate plan. And part of that estate plan is what happens when we either get sick or die. And we both decided to be cremated. So what happens in that? Like, do you help people with cremation as well? I do or? that all the time. So, you know, like I said before, I help, you know, families that have life policies. Well, sometimes people pass away younger and they haven't thought about it or they just haven't gotten to it. You know, this is kind of the end of the road that, you know, right. you, the, after you have your estate plan, then you go, oh, maybe I need to do this. But some younger folks don't have this. So let's say there's an accident and they have life insurance. Well, I'm still able to help them with that policy to get them what they need at the time. Okay. So there's there's so many ways to help families that doesn't always entail like 
the pre-planning because now that I'm able to help them at the at need portion, you know, I can see how people struggle. You know, a lot of people, they die so quickly in life and they don't have, you know, anything, no equity in their house, no funds available. People are living paycheck to paycheck. And what happens if somebody dies and they, they don't have any money? I mean, how, who... Well, How, who pays for that? What, what happens? I, for example, I had a young couple um, last week. They had a, you know, they're preparing for their first child. You know, they lived in an apartment. They both, you know, work in industries where it's real hard to save money. You know, they live paycheck to paycheck. And she went into early labor and the baby died. The baby was stillborn. Oh, the baby. So mm-hmm. I, um, you know, help them with an, you know, economical cremation option. I try to give them two different options, but what we'll do is we'll, we'll, you know, work with the family. We'll work with their, if they're um, religious, we'll work with their religious, you know, institution to try to get help there. Sometimes people have to do fundraisers depending upon what kind of service they want to have. I mean, in the baby's, um, Situation. They just wanted to have a very simple cremation, and the parents already had a family plot, and they were going to put the baby there. But, you know, who thinks about that? I certainly wouldn't think about that. Of course not. It's a happy time, and then it turns into a real sad time. So I try to make things easy for people, you know, and, and even though sometimes it has to, you know, you're, they're emotional in the moment. I try to make it kind of antiseptic to, to where, like, they don't have to worry. You know, where it's just once it's said and done, the paperwork's done, and then eventually if I have to take the ashes to them personally, then I make it more a personal touch. Mm-hmm. You know, because then it is an emotional thing. And of then course. it is I've got to be there for them and answer all their questions and things. But, you know, when you're 22, 23 years old, do you really want to have to deal with this? No, but do you sometimes get thrown in those situations? Yeah. That's probably not your typical client, though, right? No. Yeah. No. So, so how did this... 22, 23-year-old even find out about you? Well, one of the mortuaries that I owned is a, is a small um, all-souls cremation and burial, and we help people, um, and we also have San Diego Funeral Service. Um, we have um, discounted rates for cremations, you know, okay. for infants, and um, we've let, you know, the county and everybody know what's out there. So if people call for a resource, they're able to call in and, and get a, you know, a, a help with the cremation where some places, you know, may charge over a thousand dollars. We don't do that. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's nice that you have that option, especially I can't even imagine the grief that that poor family suffered. Well, and next week the baby, well, I'll be taking the ashes to, for delivery to the family. And that's another thing that I feel is important rather than make the family come to the mortuaries. And I just, I remembered when it happened with my dad to sit there and think, gosh, I'm in the industry and I'm driving to the mortuary and I'm already feeling the pain of it. And I can't imagine when I, you know, have to sign those papers and deal with that. You know, what if I had to bring dad home with me or, you know, I mean, it's just, so to me, it's just, it's a better experience to be able to go to that family when possible and, and personally take care of them. Well, that's a wonderful personal service that you offer. That's, that's really, that's really great. And I've known you for a while and I didn't know that you offered that. So that, that is really cool. So most of your clients, though, are probably older, you know, that they, they start planning. Yeah. What would you say that the average age is that people start planning their prepayment and pre, 
pre-celebration activities? You know what? Most of my families that I've helped are in their 50s and 60s. Okay, so that's pretty um, young. Yeah, and the reason being is a lot of them have already done like you and your husband did their estate or or they're thinking about updating their um you know, wills and trusts and things and their attorneys or they're just doing them and their attorneys are recommending them do their pre-planning arrangements in advance. Or some folks are moving into retirement facilities and it definitely is much better when you have it pre-done because otherwise if you pass away and you're in a facility, they're going to call whoever they want to call at the moment. Well, the facility does it. If they can't reach a family member because think about it, if you pass away in the middle of the night and there's no family member close by, they're not a morgue. There's usually a waiting period for for those rooms, you know. And yeah. so I know the facilities like to, you know, get get the rooms prepared. And we try really hard. I mean, myself and my arrangers and, you know, my, my pre-planning counselors, we try hard to get to the facilities and offer a pre-arrangement, you know, seminars or just let people know that it is possible to do this ahead of time. And it not only helps the family, but it helps the facility. Of but, course. You know, some people think of it as, oh, you're just trying to, you know, get them to spend money. It's like, no, it's it's trying to save them money now because they have to spend it at some point because we all 100% of 100 of us are going to die. That's right. So do you want to save the money now and have it all arranged or do you want to wait till the time and, and like, you said worry about it and how do you think about it at, at the moment that it happens it's a tough one i would think that it's an act of love to to prepare your celebration of life in advance so that your family can focus on grieving and not focus on you know what you may or may not have wanted that seems to me that that's the ultimate act of love. It is. It's in, you know, and most of us are also now in the sandwich generation, you know, the 40-70 rule. You know, if you're in your 40s, most likely you've got a parent that's in their 70s. And, right. And, and kids. Yeah. And you want to, you know, do something. And a lot of children are helping their parents make the plans ahead of time. But they're all coming to agreement because it's, a, like you said, it's an act of love. And they all want to make sure that everybody's happy with that final decision and solution. So if, you know, if you can get everybody together to talk about it, it's great. Does it always happen? No. Plus, and there's no fighting among siblings. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if it's already all... done, you don't have to worry about Susie says, oh, well, she wanted this music, and Sammy says, no, I know that she would have wanted this. And Well, you've heard about it. Weddings and funerals are the worst, you know, <laughs> arguments, and let me tell you, I've seen quite a few different, you know, hands flying over the tables, and I was at a nursing home a couple weeks ago, and boy, a family member, there was one brother that was an outcast, and this was the first time in years that they had been together. And unfortunately, it was because they were pre-planning mom's funeral and, and cemetery services. And they started yelling and screaming. But by the time we were all done, everybody was talking again. Everybody was back to being a family again. And it could have gone either way. So you're but, almost like a family counselor in a way sometimes you feel like it because you're bringing all i'm bringing is the facts i come with the facts i take in information of what they want i design what they're telling me they want and then representing it to them so that they can see this is what you're telling me that you guys want and then they either add or delete what they don't want and that's what i'm hoping they all come to agreement and and um 
resolution and, and we move on, you know, cause it's about helping your loved one. It's not, it, I always look at it. It's not about you, the mom, the dad, the, the brother, the sister, the child, whatever. It's about the person who you're doing this for. Right. If they can't do it themselves. Right. Yeah. Of course. So are most of your clients people who haven't made any decisions at all and they come to you after the person has passed or maybe when they're in hospice or do most of your clients come when they're in their, you know, 50s and 60s before they'll ever need to make decisions? So are they advanced planners or are they planning at the last minute? I now, because I have experience with the after someone passes as well, I see both. However, I still tend to get more of the folks that want to plan ahead. And and it varies, but a lot of times I'll get grandchildren where they're the ones that are going to be helping grandma and grandpa make the decisions because maybe mom and dad can't do it. They're just not capable. So that's where I'll get a lot of my referrals is on the pre-planning. And But then, like you said, there's a lot of folks where, because I used to help people more so in their life choices, when they are hitting their retirement ages, it's time for them to start taking that final step of saying, okay, so what are we going to do if something happens? Where are we going to go? What are we, are we going to be cremated? Are we going to be buried? I mean, there's so many choices. Once you've planned out your retirement, you think you're done and you have to go, wait a second, we didn't hit this next step of decision-making. Right. And it it is so important. And it sort of goes hand in hand with pre-planning what you want to do if you don't die. Do you ever get into those discussions as well? What if you, you know, live 10 years and, you know, what do you want to do? Do you want to get a feeding tube? Do you ever talk to your clients about that? The most important document that I've seen, you know, in all these years of, of helping families is that advanced directive. And one of the questions that I begin with, you know, obviously I would try to get to talk to them a little bit and get a little bit more familiar with what their thoughts are on, on why they're starting to talk about this. But my biggest question to them is, have you done your advanced directive? And I will tell you, 75% of the folks that are under age 60 do not know or have this document. I would say 50% over age 60 still don't have this document. And it's really important. And then I go on to add even if you to get a HIPAA waiver. And I'm not an expert in those two documents. But what I do know is those are the documents that when we're in the hospital, when we're in hospice, up until after death, because one of the first things as a funeral director is that I will ask families are, do you have an advanced directive? Because that takes priority over anything, then spouse, then child, and you know, and it goes down the line to the 13th degree. So yeah, those are some of the big questions that I that I talk to families about. I usually don't talk about what I do for a living, so I'm not going to say it outright, but I had a client whose husband died and she got a bill from Medicare that was over $100,000 and Medicare would not speak with her because she didn't have a HIPAA form on file. Oh my gosh. So she had to deal, now I was able to help her deal with the insurance company that should have paid that $100,000. I was able to help her get that paid. But I can tell you, my husband and I both have HIPAAs on each other. And um, it's funny because many, if you use more than one medical group, you have to get a HIPAA on each medical group needs their own HIPAA. Yeah, I didn't see I didn't know that. I know it's important to have that. And I know recently they were talking about doing 
the electronic where it shares into a kind of like the MBIs where it goes into the system and everybody has access to it. So that would be nice because, you know, my thing is when somebody is 18 years old, those are the two important documents you should getting out of high school. Okay, you're 18 now. You need an advance directive and a HIPAA waiver because if something happens to you and and we know accidents can happen, it's just best to have those documents. Absolutely. Well, my assistant even has a limited HIPAA waiver on me because she makes doctor's appointments for me and they won't talk to her unless there's a HIPAA form on file. But but my HIPAA for her just says scheduling appointments. (laughs) You know, it doesn't say that she's allowed to, you know, get all of my medical information, although she pretty much knows everything about me anyway. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, so after the HIPAA, after the advanced directive, and then you're speaking with them must be a very difficult conversations to have with your clients. If you do it in a pre-planning arena, I guess you could call it, It's not because at that point, there is no emotional or financial pressure. So we're sitting around, it could be their dining room table, it could be in the living room, it could be at my office, it could be at Starbucks. I mean, I have Denny's, I've made arrangements or pre-planning arrangements out on a bench in a cemetery. So if you're sitting there and you're not feeling grief or anything as of yet, it's a, it's not a tough topic to discuss when it's hard is when I have to sit with those families after a death has occurred. And then have those conversations because most of the time you have five different ideas of what that person want coming from, you know, a parent or a sibling or a child. They all have different ideas of what the person who passed away wanted. But if I get to talk to them ahead of time, it's a much lighter, easier conversation. And I feel like it's kind of like negotiating a business or your retirement or, you know, when you sit down with your financial planner, it's kind of the same thing as, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to put it into writing. We're going to plan it. It's going to be done. And I always say, then you put it in your file and you don't look at it again. Tell me about a typical day if there is one in your business? (laughs) Well, for example, I usually will have appointments for pre-planning. So I'll either meet folks at maybe a caregiver event or just throughout the community by being out there and, and out doing a lot of outreach. So folks will call me and we'll schedule an appointment with them. And like I said, I'll go to their home I'll go to their place of work, wherever they want to meet to sit down and just start the discussion. And that's usually what I'll do a couple of times um, during the day. Sometimes my day starts out where somebody's passed um, at one in the morning and I've taken that call and I've had to coordinate to go have them picked up and taken into our care. And then I'll schedule to meet with them, you know, or my staff will first thing in the morning to start their um, at-need funeral arrangements. So my day varies. Um, (laughs) And then I also pre-plan cemetery arrangements as well. I don't do at-need cemetery, but I do refer to any of the cemeteries that I work with um, based on if they're faith-based or if they're just the demographic or geographic desire. What about veterans? Do you work with them at all? Oh, yes. I'm Actively involved with Operation Family Caregiver, which is for um, the veterans that came back from the Iraq and Afghanistan wars with TBI. I was uh, at one point married to a gentleman that he later, 12 years later, was diagnosed with PTSD. 
And had we known that, we may have continued to be married. I don't know, but it was very difficult. And so I took that as a cause that that I do as a volunteer to try to make the lives of, of those families better when those young widows and, and young wives are dealing with all the stress of their loved one who came back from war. Um, my dad was also a veteran as well from both World War II and Korean War. So I talk to veterans a lot. I talk to them about pre-planning. I'll talk to them about just finding out if they need resources. I try to connect their families to whatever sorts of benefits that they may be entitled to by getting them outreach to the VA or whomever I can contact in the veteran circle that I have. So it's not just all about you know, the funeral cemetery or cremation arrangements. It's about whatever that veteran needs. I'll go that extra mile to make sure I connect them to the right um, department or person to get that. So let's say somebody is worried about their parents and they don't really know what their parents want and their parents are, say, 80 years old. Most of the listeners to this show are baby boomers. And so they're between the ages of, you know, they're in their 50s, 60s, and maybe 70s. But mostly 50s and 60s are the listeners to this show. So let's say somebody has an 80-year-old parent and they really have no idea what their parent wants. They don't know if their parent has done any pre-planning or parents, if they're both still living. Um, what would you suggest to them in order to get them to get this pre-planning done? Well, sometimes it's not just, you know, asking them. It, it could be showing by example. So maybe a, a child, you know, an adult child could say, well, mom, dad, you know, I, I went today and I did all of my pre-planning. I, I made the decision to have a plan to do my cemetery, my funeral, or my cremation, and it's all done. And let me show you what I have. Sometimes just the example or leading by example may help those the parents say, you know what, if my child can do this, maybe I can do this too. And, and it looks like it was easy and it wasn't hard for them emotionally to do this. Okay, so we're coming to the end of the interview, Sam. and. There's a couple of questions that I usually ask everybody that I interview, even if even if they're not retirees. And so if you don't have an answer, that's fine. But I know that you work with a lot of retirees. And my question might not have anything to do with what you do for a living. And the first one is, what do you think people should know before they retire? Most people plan their money, their long-term care, their housing but they don't go that final step of pre-planning for the inevitable. So they need to plan it in the way that they want it. Okay, that's good advice. The second question is, we have a lot of listeners who are maybe they're new retirees or maybe they feel stuck somehow in their lives at the moment. They're not having a good retirement. And if you were sitting across the table from a new retiree or someone who feels stuck, what's the one piece of advice that you would give them to have a successful retirement. In other words, you've seen people who are having great retirements. What are they doing that the stuck person isn't? Successful retirement to me, and this is what I would let a person in front of me know, would be when your dreams and your plans come together and your worries are minimized. So do whatever you can do to have minimum worries, minimum drama, 
minimum fears when you retire so you can just go out there and enjoy life to the fullest. (laughs) Great advice. How can my listeners contact you for more information about your services? You can call me at 619-913-3834 or 619-280-0101. You can email me at preplanwithsam at gmail.com. And if you're looking for an actual funeral service, you can go on the website, sandiegofuneralservice.com. Thank you so much, Samantha, for being on the show. I really appreciate it. You've been a wonderful guest. Thank you. It's been a joy to be here. Great. And for my listeners, thanks for listening. Don't forget to go online and subscribe either on iTunes or Stitcher or Podcast Addict. You can also leave a review for us as well. We'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Thanks for listening to the Rock Your Retirement Show. If you are rocking your retirement or know someone who would make a great guest on our show, please send us an email at podcast at rockyourretirement.com. Are you a senior who's thinking of buying or selling a home? Is it time for mom and dad to think about moving to a retirement community where they can get more help and care? You need a realtor who specializes in working with seniors and understands their special needs. Patty Phillips is a senior real estate specialist and she helps seniors sort through the difficulties involved with moving. Contact her today to get honest and caring real estate advice. Call 800 680 9133 and ask for her report, The Five Things Seniors Need to Know Before They Move. Call 800-680-9133 now. Oh, wait. I wanted to thank you again for listening to the Rocky Retirement Show. If you're a new listener, a good place to start is episode 116. This explains the six pillars of retirement lifestyle and our general philosophy. Episodes 1 through 236 can be thought of as an encyclopedia. These are topics that may or may not be interesting to you. You can listen to the ones that you're interested in and forget the rest until the issue becomes an issue for you. And that's okay. I actually don't recommend starting with episode 1 and working through until the most recent. That's actually not how the show was designed. Of course, if you want to do that so you can see how the show changed over time, you're welcome to. Now, starting in August, actually August 31st of 2020, we changed the format of the show. The monthly episodes starting with 237 follow a real retiree from her pre-announcement through her first year of retirement. There might be bonus episodes, but we're committed to monthly. If you've enjoyed any of our past shows or the show that you've just listened to and you want to support us, you can do so in any of the four ways. One, share this episode with a friend or family member who needs to hear it. This is the most important way that people find us. 
Since our audience is typically older, we grow by having our listeners share our episodes with others. Two, subscribe to or follow the show using whatever podcast catcher you're listening on right now. Now, if you're listening on your computer, you can listen on your smartphone by going to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, iHeartRadio, Spotify. I mean, I believe on all of them. If you can't find us on the podcast catcher that you'd like to use, send us a note on the website at rockyourretirement.com and we'll make sure that we get on your favorite podcast app. But basically, what you do is you download the app and then you search for the show and when you find it, you'll hit subscribe. Make sure it's the Rock Your Retirement Show and that you hear my voice when you listen. Um, Actually, there were some episodes where Henry Shapiro was a guest. Uh, we, We actually downloaded some of his episodes. So if you hear him, it's probably still the the same show. There were maybe 34 or 35 episodes back in the beginning that we hosted on our show uh, when he decided to leave podcasting. Number three, how you can support us is by leaving a review. Whatever podcast app you're listening to normally has the option of leaving a review, either a written review saying how great the show is or just with stars. Five stars is typically the best. And of course, we're shooting for those five-star reviews. And if you tell us why you like the show, what you liked about it, it's actually easier for other people to understand what the show's about. A lot of people, when they find our show, they think it's about money. And of course, by now, you know that it's not. Number four, if you'd like to support us financially, of course, we're always appreciative of that. Just go to rockyourretirement.com slash support, and it will take you to our page where you can support us financially. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Bye.